Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Today's episode is sponsored by Stamps.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Truth and Justice. I'm your host, Bob Ruff, and I'm coming to you today all the way from the small town of Canton, Texas. I'm staying in a lovely, lovely Motel 6 right off of Interstate 20. So I know a lot of you have been following along with me this week throughout my trip to Tyler, Texas. And I just want to take a minute to thank everybody who's been watching my back. I've done several periscopes since I've been here and have had a lot of interaction with that. And one thing that I did fail to mention is that my Periscope handle is not the same as my Twitter handle. When I updated the Twitter handle to at TruthJusticePod, I thought that Periscope would automatically change that on Periscope as well, and it hasn't, and I don't see a way to do that. So in the future, if you want to follow me on Periscope, my Periscope handle is at SerialDynasty. So this trip has gone really, really well. I've gotten a lot of new information. I've spoken to a lot of people in Tyler. And I have over 500 pages of documents in my suitcase right now. Just given the logistics of putting an episode together and piecing all this together because I was recording on several different devices depending on where I was at, today's episode is not going to be about the trip to Tyler, Texas. That will be next week's episode, so make sure you tune in for that. I will tell you that the trip went really well, and I am safe and sound, assuming, fingers crossed, that nothing happens to me in the next hour or so. It's currently just going on 1 o'clock in the morning on Thursday night. I've been burning the candle at both ends all week, and I have to leave at about 2 o'clock in the morning to head back to Dallas to catch my plane. So we're not quite out of the woods yet, but we've almost made it. With that being said, I'll also tell you that this week's episode is going to be shorter than normal, and that's just due to the fact that I've been on the road this entire week and haven't had time to put together a lot of content. But what I do have for you this week is an interview with a man named Dennis Murphy. So Dennis Murphy is the FBI agent that Kenny Snow says accompanied District Attorney Dobbs to visit him in jail when they struck the deal for him to testify against Edward Eights. Like I mentioned last week, my main priority for these last several weeks has been to corroborate the timeline of the allegations that Kenny Snow has made. So in doing so, the first thing that I sought after was to figure out if it can be proven that District Attorney Dobbs, as well as Dennis Murphy, actually visited Kenny Snow in jail. That's what led me to contact Mr. Murphy. Dennis still does live in Tyler. He's retired now from the FBI and has gone on to some other ventures. He's a very busy guy, but he did take the time to sit down and talk with me, which is much appreciated, and he had a lot of interesting things to say. While you're listening to Dennis, pay close attention, maybe even take notes, because there's some things that he says that are going to come into play later as we reveal the things that I found out while I was in Tyler, Texas. So get a cup of coffee or a cold beer, sit back, and enjoy this interview with retired FBI agent 
Dennis Murphy. So I've got Dennis here on the line, and Dennis, I, first of all, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. You're welcome. Before we get going too much, can you just tell my listeners a little about yourself, who you are, kind of what your career was, and what you did with the FBI? I was an FBI agent from 1982 to 2003. I was stationed throughout my career all around the country from Dallas, Sacramento, Washington, D.C., and spent the last 12 or 13 years of my career in Tyler, Texas. I've worked almost all of the FBI programs, which are areas that are investigated, such as violent crime, foreign counterintelligence, terrorism, white-collar crime. Those are called programs and so forth. My specialties were behavioral matters, which is to say I was a crisis negotiator, I was a member of the FBI's National Security Division's Behavioral Analysis Program, and I did a lot of interviews that it was important to make sure that the person who I was talking to was giving us accurate, true, valid information in his opinion. So that was the long and the short of it. Since then, I have done a number of things and am now a consultant with an international crisis response group working kidnaps, extortions, and so forth. Okay, thanks, Dennis. I appreciate that. So you're, were you working with the behavioral units back in, it was 1997 when Kenny Snow's crime occurred? Well, I'm pretty certain I was a member of that program. I've been a negotiator since 89, and that's where my behavioral training actually started. I was picked up by the behavioral analysis program sometime in the 90s. I think that whenever Mr. Snow says I talked to him, I was obviously a negotiator and may have been a behavioral analyst at that point. In that capacity, did you, as a general practice, work on investigating locally. His his crimes were um, both occurred in the same day that he was charged with a simple robbery up in Swan and then a, an aggravated robbery that occurred in Tyler, Texas. Those are the kind of cases that you would have worked? No, no. It, um, at, that, at that point in the 90s, the FBI was working violent crimes task forces in Tyler, Smith County, East Texas. And that is to say, if there was a federal nexus to a crime, which is a violation of the federal law, such as carjacking, for example, we, the FBI, would join forces with the state and local police and pursue the resolution of that case. But a simple robbery, uh, and no robbery is simple, don't get me wrong, but a, a non-federal crime would not have been in our jurisdiction, and we would not have investigated it per se. The other crime that is kind of attached to this whole crazy story here is the case of Edward Eights, who um, was convicted of murdering a woman, I believe, on a farm or some kind of a migrant camp. Is that the type of crimes that you guys would investigate? No, no, I wouldn't think so. Okay, and you weren't involved I, with that case either? I certainly was not involved in the AIDS matter. Okay. 
So then that leads me to my next my next question. If you ever come across or met or seen in j- the jail cell a man by the name of Kenneth Snow, I I have I am acquainted with Mr. Snow, not in his jail cell, but in a in a visitor's room in the Smith County Jail is where I was first in contact with Mr. Snow. Well, I recall I recall the Eights murder only because and that that whole prosecution only because I read it in the Tyler Morning Telegraph. So I was at the Smith County Courthouse on a completely unrelated matter, as I recall, and Assistant District Attorney David Dobbs, with whom I had worked over the years on these violent crime matters, which were prosecuted by the U.S. Attorney or the District Attorney, it was up to those two offices to decide who was going to prosecute it. We just investigated it. At any rate, Mr. Dobbs, who was familiar with my background and experience, asked me if I would accompany him to the Smith County Jail to interview a fellow, Mr. Snow, who had information regarding the AIDS matter. So I complied and off we went. Okay, what can you tell me about the interaction you had with Kenny Snow and what went on in that meeting? As I recall, there was one meeting between Mr. Dobbs, Mr. Snow, and myself. There were only three of us in the room. Mr. Snow had information from Ace that he wanted to share with the prosecutor. Well, the prosecutor is not a witness in his own case, hence my presence there. So we talked to Mr. Snow, and maybe, I don't recall, but maybe maybe he gave us a document of some sort uh, that that Mr. Dobbs was, was well pleased to have received and seemed to be surprised at having to receive that. As I recall, call, uh, it was either written by or on behalf of Mr. Eights, and Kenneth Snow came into its possession. I don't know if he was the author, Mr. Eights was the author, I don't remember that. And Mr. Snow then handed that over to me. Okay, that I that, think was the, um, looking through the Eights case, what it was that Kenneth Snow testified about and that he turned over to the DA, he said that Mr. Eights gave him a script to memorize so that he could testify that he had overheard someone else confessing to the crime. And according that to possible. Yeah, and according to the appellate documents for Eights' case, Snow, instead of memorizing it, called DA Dobbs and turned that over to him. That makes sense. As far as to your recollection, uh, that was the only time you ever met with Kenny Snow? That's that's the only, yes. To my recollection, that's the only Smith County Jail contact I had with him. It, there may have been more than one. That's the only one that I recall. You had described, when we we spoke before the interview, had described Kenny Snow to me. How would you describe him physically? Mr. Snow was a... As they say in East Texas, a full-grown man. <laughs> he was in, in good shape. He was not overweight. He was 
not overly muscled, but but he he was a fine specimen of a male. Uh, he he had great social skills. He had a terrific smile and a gold tooth uh, <laughs> right in the middle of his smile. So that's that's how I rec- remember him. A gold tooth. After you had that meeting, you said there was some more contact, or did you have any other contact with him outside of that, you know, after the AIDS case, through maybe parole meetings or anything like that? I testified, Bob, uh, not on his behalf, but I was called to the witness stand uh, possibly during a sentencing hearing for for him uh, on on the the charges he was in jail for that that's possible uh i i do remember testifying on his behalf and the the questions that came my way is did he give you useful information did the information let me rephrase that did the information you received from him turn out to be useful and valid in the case he was a witness on and man, my response in so many words, or probably more words, were yes, indeed. That was that was a useful, helpful uh, thing that he did for this case. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are you aware of whether or not Kenny Snow was given any sort of formal deal or plea bargain for the information he gave about uh, AIDS? No. No, 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 no. That was, and of course, I'm not a representative of the DA's office, but in many of the meetings with potential witnesses who who may have, who were incarcerated or soon to be incarcerated, their their stance was, and I've heard it many times, their stance was, we don't make deals. You you testify, you provide us information, and then we'll see what happens. So that that was, if anything was said about that in my presence, it was almost verbatim. Okay, so it was made pretty clear when you were in the room with Dobbs. Yeah, as it, as yeah. far as you can re- remember, that there was going to be no deal. No, there's no, there in my in my experience with the Smith County DA's office, they never made a deal. In my experience, never with a with a potential witness like Mr. Snow. With that being said, is it is it common though not to ha- not to make a deal, but like you just said, to tell them, you know, we'll see what happens and go from there. That when their testimony is helpful, 
that maybe the judge takes that in, into consideration when they give them their sentence? Indeed, yes. Okay, because in, in in Kenny's case, and I, I know you're not real familiar with the whole background on his, as you know, it's kind of it was below your below your pay grade at that time, um, his case, but he was on parole for uh, some other felonies at the time these crimes occurred, and then he got picked up for this uh, simple and an aggravated robbery which carry a max sentence while the simple, I think, is 20 years and the aggravated is 99 years. And he ended up with just 10 years probation, probably at that sentencing hearing that you were at. And that sounds consistent what you said, that part of. He, he didn't tell me a whole lot about you other than your name came up that you were there. And he mentioned that you said basically what you just told me you said at his sentencing hearing, that the information he gave was helpful. Do you know, and I know that you don't represent the DA, and I and I'm aware of that. But for every state's different. In Michigan, when I read that, it seemed really out of the ordinary for someone that's already a convicted felon on parole to be convicted of aggravated robbery and a robbery to be let off on just probation. Is that is that somewhat standard at that time in that county? You know, I I really can't speak to that, Bob, because I I just if I had numbers or enough experience, I, I would be glad to, but I can't speak to that. Okay, I can appreciate that. I don't want you to have to speak for something that you're not a you're not an expert in. Another person that was mentioned by Kenny Snow that was involved in all of this that and and I'll be upfront with you. What he told me is that this gentleman actually came to him before you and D. A. Dobbs came to him was a man by the name of Johnny Johnson. He alleges that Johnson, who was on the parole board, uh, later became his parole officer, offered to him to make a deal with the DA to stay out of jail in in exchange for Kenny making Johnny Johnson his boxing manager when he got out. Did you have any contact with Johnny Johnson, or does that name ring a bell, or any interactions with him? The name may ring a bell, however, I met a fellow, it could have been in the courthouse during this probation hearing, who represented himself to me as Mr. Snow's manager. Uh, Mr. Snow fancied himself, I suppose, as a, as a prize fighter, and he represented himself to me as his manager, and he sure hoped that Mr. Snow could get out because, you know, great, wonderful achievements were to be had by him in the ring, in the boxing ring. I also had a contact with him some other time. He called me at, at the FBI office just as a follow-up to that contact and was, was how shall I put this nicely, very <laughs> verbal, very verbal. But, you know, I just, he was of no value to the FBI, in my opinion, and we politely parted company, or I politely parted company from him. Well, yeah, in your position, he was probably barking up the wrong tree anyway, right? He, he was indeed barking up the wrong tree, yes. When, when you say you were, and I know you were trying to be nice, but <laughs> that, that he was very verbal when he called you, was, was he trying to get you to help keep Kenny out of jail because of this illustrious boxing career to come? Yes, I, th I think that's the case. I mean, I, I think that that his whole slant was to make sure I was on the right side of Mr. Snow, 
which is to say I was going to help Mr. Snow. Well, right. I neither help nor hurt. I just tell my opinion, and, and that's what I told him. I'm not here to help anybody or to harm anybody, but... Do you recall if this gentleman that, that presented himself as his manager, do you recall if that person happened to be on the parole board? No. The, in Texas, Bob, the parole board, as I recall, is is a, that's a big deal. There's a, they are regional and, and the parole board meets to release prisoners from prison, not je, not before they get to prison. He could have been a, a probation officer, but I don't, I don't know whether he was or not in Smith County. I don't know. Okay. And that could, that could be because I'm finding with, uh, you know, a lot of the preliminary information I have is from letters from Kenny that are, uh, yes. And he, he may not be exactly on point on that. Right. Right. Um, he did say that whoever the, how did he put it? He called it the parole board, but it, it may have been a different type of board, but somewhere there was a vote taken, uh, by a board of some kind that decided to let him off on probation rather than to have him serve a prison sentence. And he he claims that this Johnny Johnson sat on that board and was the deciding vote. I have no knowledge about that. Never never heard that. Okay, uh, the last thing, Dennis, that I wanted to touch on is one of the big elements of Kenny Snow's case was that the Tyler Police Department documented that they had recovered DNA evidence from the aggravated robbery scene at what was then Ricky Dealer's used car. And after Kenny had violated his probation and was returned to jail and then sentenced to 40 years in prison, in 2006 he filed a motion to have that DNA tested based on a law that was enacted in 2001 that gave him the right to do so. And the Tyler PD responded saying that in 2002 that they had destroyed that DNA. And I know that you you aren't really, well, you aren't at all or weren't even a part of the Tyler Police Department, but can you shed any light on that time when the DNA law came out in 2001 and other cases, and have you heard about anybody else having DNA evidence destroyed before it was supposed to or anything like that? That would have been the only time that I knew somebody who had the DNA sample destroyed. I personally know Kenneth Snow. I knew Mr. Snow. I didn't, I didn't follow his appellate process. I didn't follow the Tyler PD's evidence destruction protocols. None of that. Uh, but that's, that's unfortunate if that happened since that happened. It's quite unfortunate. DNA, in my estimation, is a wonderful technology. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. It can shut down an appeals process in a heartbeat when it comes back that it's it's not what the appellant claims it is and that it is, in fact, the appellant's DNA. That's that. Uh, on the other hand, it can kick an innocent person right out the door of a Texas prison or any prison. And for that reason, because I'm telling you, mistakes are made. And DNA, there's no mistake about it. So 
in my personal opinion, I think DNA technology, DNA testing is absolutely a good, good thing. And I'm, I'm sorry that, that his, his case won't allow that to happen. Yeah, it really is too bad. And I agree with you a hundred percent, you know, on both sides, you know, what we're, what we're supposed to be searching for is, you know, we're, we're seeking justice and it's, it's, it, you're right. It's a great tool to find the truth, you know, because you're dealing yeah. with witness statements and we both know how reliable eyewitness statements are and jailhouse informants and things like that. I mean, but you can't, you can't argue with science and it's just, it, it, you're right. It is frustrating that it's gone in this case and there's some other cases where it's happened and, um, I think it's a good thing that that law is put into place, and I'm sure that hopefully now it's being uh, adhered to more and all that evidence is being preserved. Because Texas is actually, since then, is one of the better states as far as DNA legislation. Uh, they, that, they were one of the first to put that law into place in 2001 to make sure that evidence got preserved and give inmates the rights to have it tested. So, you know, that's good as long as we, you know, as long as they're following the rules. Right. Right. I agree. hundred um, percent. All right. Uh, did you have anything else you wanted to, you wanted to get out while you, you've got a big audience, Dennis? No, no, not a, not a, not a single thing. And I'm just happy to talk to you, Bob. And I, I have heard some, one of your podcasts before. And I'll tell you from my listening to it, you get both sides of it. You put both sides out there which is the reason I'm talking to you. Well, I, I really appreciate that, Dennis, because that is the that is the goal, is to try to be fair and give, let everybody have a voice and not just give one side. So I'm glad you picked up on that, and I'm really, really thankful that you took the time to talk to me today, and I'm sure my listeners really appreciate it as well. And, you know, it, it helps to fill in the blanks to, you know, some of the pieces of this puzzle to get put back together so we can try to get an idea of what actually occurred back in 97. Right. All right. Well, so you're very welcome. All right. Well, thank you so much, Dennis. And um, I'm going to be in town next week and maybe we can catch up and grab a bite while I'm there. My pleasure. I hope so. All right. Well, I will be in touch with you next week, Dennis. And thank you again so thank much. You. Thank you, Bob. All right. Take care. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm sad to say that Dennis and I never did get that lunch. 
I tried to hook up with him yesterday, but he'd been called away to another part of the state on business. But Dennis and I are planning on hooking up the next time I'm in town, and I've got some more things that I want to discuss with him on the phone after reviewing all the documentation I found this week. But there are a couple of things that Dennis said that are very important to this investigation. First of all, Dennis did confirm that he and District Attorney Dobbs did indeed visit Kenny Snow in jail, and that that visit was regarding the Eights matter, as Dennis put it. So that's just one more point that's starting to come into line with Kenny's allegations. While I was in town this week, I sat down and talked to a local attorney who doesn't want his name mentioned, who knows District Attorney David Dobbs personally. Dobbs is no longer the DA. He now has a private practice and handles mostly civil law, from what I'm told. But this gentleman told me that he has gotten in contact with Dobbs about this case and confirmed that Dobbs is indeed listening along. He said that Dobbs didn't seem angry about anything. He just says that I have my facts wrong. This local contact is going to speak with Dobbs and see if he can convince him to sit down and do an interview with me. So hopefully very soon we'll get the other side of the story from David Dobbs himself. The other very interesting part of what Dennis Murphy said was that Kenny Snow's boxing manager was, the way I took it, almost harassing him about getting him to help keep Kenny out of jail. Again, this goes right along with the allegations that Kenny has made, that Johnny Johnson and Joe Costello were behind all of this. And it was all about getting Kenny to keep boxing and making money. I'm working now to get in contact with Johnny Johnson and Joe Costello to get their side of the story. I'm really anxious to talk to Joe Costello because the common theme from all the locals who I talked to about him was that he is, well, in the words of one of the people I spoke with, devious. So things are starting to really come together in this case. And while I was beating the streets of Tyler this week, I finally got a call that I've been waiting for for months. I got a call from Kenny Snow himself. Now, Kenny only had a few minutes to speak with me as they're still on lockdown, but he was able to convince the warden to let him call for just a couple of minutes to check in. He was able to quickly answer a few of my questions, and we have another full call scheduled for next week. The lockdown is supposed to end on Sunday. So expect a doozy of an episode next week. There's a lot more to this case than even what I expected. We've got a Crime Stoppers tip called in by a friend. And while speaking with Kenny on the phone, I found out a new piece of information. Kenny actually confessed to one of the robberies, the one in Swan, at Bill Cole's used tire. Now there's a lot more to that, and Kenny still absolutely maintains his innocence. But he wanted to make sure that I knew that he actually did confess. And I'll explain why in our next episode. While I was in Tyler, I met a lot of very interesting people. But in the entire trip, no one was more interesting and no one was more useful than the man that Kenny Snow was convicted of spraying in the face with pepper spray and stealing the money out of his pocket. Bill Cole One critical piece of information that I picked up on when speaking with Dennis Murphy was the fact that he remembered Kenny Snow because he had a great big gold tooth in the front of his mouth. That really struck me because I've read all of the witness statements, and no one ever says anything about a gold tooth. I asked Bill Cole about this. Did you see he had a big old gold tooth in the front of his mouth? Shit, man, this has been four years ago. Yeah. But the big thing that I'm looking at is, but, but is how... The truth, I don't remember that. I don't remember that. Next week on Truth and Justice. Thank you to Johnny Rose of Slightly Subversive Music for creating all of the music for the show. 
Thank you to Tate Krupa for designing and creating our logo. Thank you to today's sponsor, Stamps.com, for funding today's program. And a special thanks this week to Adam Weissman, who covered my six the entire time we were in Texas this week. I want to thank all of you for all of your support. One of my projects for next week is to start getting all these documents scanned in and up on the truthandjusticepod.com website so people can start looking through them. Send in all of your thoughts, theories, and ideas to theories at truthandjusticepod.com. If you have any new cases that you'd like me to look at, send those in to cases at truthandjusticepod.com. Follow me on Twitter at truthjusticepod. Follow me on Periscope at Serial Dynasty. If you're a Facebook user, you can follow me at Truth and Justice with Bob Ruff. I look forward to hearing from all of you, and I'm really looking forward to getting home and seeing my wife and kids and finally getting a little bit of sleep. So as for now, I'm signing off. I'm Bob Ruff, and this has been Truth and Justice. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. 
Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.